This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and this is a unique episode this week as we have a special guest on the show. He is not a former Chelsea footballer, but believe you me, he's a passionate Chelsea supporter from across the pond in the United States of America. He is one of the founders of Carefree Louisiana Chelsea Supporters Group. Here is Dylan Polk. Dylan, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. How are you? Thank you, Keith. I appreciate you having me on today and uh, it's talking about our group a little bit and everything good, Chelsea. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you quite have a face for podcasts, but it's, it'll work for today. <laughs> You're probably the first person that's actually said I haven't got a face for podcasting. So I appreciate that. You'll definitely get a Christmas card off me this year. I appreciate that. <laughs> Listen, Dylan, thank you again for obviously wanting to come onto the show and sort of wanting to promote your Chelsea supporters group. And I know that we we do have a following in America from various groups. And I know that I've spoken to a few different groups from from Atlanta to New York and from even Ohio as well. So obviously talking about Louisiana and talking about the great state that it is, let's talk about it. Let's just sort of go right to the beginning and tell us the backstory of this supporters group. How, how, how did it start for you and sort of link it in a little bit? When did you start supporting Chelsea? Started supporting Chelsea in 1997. Uh, I like to say that I was, I like to say pre-Abramovich, I was there when we were shit. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I started following, uh, you know, in high school and, 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 uh, junior high. And then finally, once I, uh, became an adult and started getting out there, I started meeting other Chelsea fans. Cause I did growing up in the States, there wasn't great television coverage for, for games. So you had to pay for channels and hope that your team was on that weekend. And so, uh, naturally as I got older, I was able to meet more and more Chelsea fans as it happened. I moved down to new Orleans and started working. I was a chef forever. And I uh, started meeting a lot of people on the weekends at the pub. And it, sadly, it was more Arsenal and United fans everywhere. And then started slowly meeting some more Chelsea fans. And uh, 
I met a solid group of guys down here, about four or five of us that were avid Chelsea fans that were always coming to the bar, but were always outnumbered at the pub and always getting out sung. Um, when this past year, um, a buddy of mine that I met the year before named Ben Landry and I got together and said, we want to really make this official. We want to, we want to turn new Orleans blue. We want to make this a real thing. So Ben and I got together and we decided, okay, we're going to be official. We started our chapter up, um, started bringing more of a presence to the pub, started making flags, started being more vocal where the, the owner of the pub is telling us to quiet down because he can't, nobody can hear the TVs to the point where, we started being known as, as that group at the pub. And then fast forward a year later, we're now the fastest growing Chelsea chapter in America. And we're hosting an event that's uh, being co-signed by the club. And uh, we, we couldn't even be more excited. It's kind of a meteoric rise. And uh, honestly, there's, there's nothing better when, when passions and hobbies turn into something like this and, uh, you know, just makes you fall in love with the club even more. Now I've, I did a little bit of digging before we decided to go on air and this event that you've got planned, it's called Blues Day? Yes, sir. Not a bad name to have considering we're on the Blue Day podcast. I appreciate I think... that's a good, good name to have. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to make it a Blue Day. Of course, every day is a Blue Day for a Chelsea supporter. But tell us about this particular event itself and sort of what your intentions are for it and Again, you've mentioned about the club itself. What sort of backing have you got from the club as it stands? Well, so as it stands right now, from the backing from the club, they've sent us tons of flags over because what we're going to be doing is, so just to give you a little little heads up on the event. So uh, it is for the Club World Cup and for Mardi Gras. As everybody knows, New Orleans is one of the few cities in America that still has that culture back to the, you know, the olden days. And we're having, we, we celebrate Mardi Gras. Um, so what we're going to be doing is during that Mardi Gras season, we're going to have everybody coming in town on Friday, the 11th, we're going to be going to a local brewery, which is going to be made called urban South brewery. They're going to be making, um, a special edition beer just with the Chelsea blue and yellow colors and the exact Panatone for everybody to drink and purchase. Um, and then the next day we're going to be meeting at, a in the French quarter, getting together all as a group. Um, we have 14 chapters from across the country coming so far that have dedicated members, members from all the way in Los Angeles to New York, to Chicago, all over Texas. Um, uh, great, great group of supporters. We're going to meet together in the quarter. And just like um, in England, when you're at the pub and you parade to the to the to the pitch, we're going to get together um, as a group with all the flags that Chelsea have sent us. We're going to walk through the quarter, singing, chanting, raising our flags, raising a little bit of hell, letting New Orleans people know that it's a blue day. And then we're going to march to the pub to watch the Club World Cup final. And uh, hopefully, God willing, that we'll have uh, another cup to lift for the for the club. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be at the club. The, the bar that we're going to be at is called American Sports Saloon. They've dedicated a full upstairs balcony area to us with massive TVs all over so everybody can get great view. They've allowed us to hang flags everywhere. The bar owner has actually purchased tons of Chelsea flags to put on the outside of the bar so that everybody knows that it's a Chelsea supporters place for the day. He, uh, they're also, I don't know if you know much about Louisiana food, but crawfish is a big deal down here. And uh, they're dedicating to like to be cooking crawfish for about you know, $5, $6 a head, which is for anybody coming from outside the state, giving them a chance to, to try and see what Louisiana is like. And so we're going to be at the, the pub most of the day, 
raising hell, drinking more pints than we probably should, and uh, watching the Blues win. As soon as the game's over with, we're going to disperse for a little bit, let everybody check out the city of New Orleans, um, the sites, catch some food, and then we're meeting up a little bit later that afternoon along the parade route, drink some more beers, and let everybody experience what uh, Mardi Gras is really like here in New Orleans. So obviously it's a Chelsea event, but you got to have something to pull Chelsea supporters to your town more than just an event. And New Orleans, like I said, is one of the oldest, second oldest city in America. And we carry on the Mardi Gras tradition, which is just, if you don't know what it is, you got to get online and look it up because it's, it's debauchery and shithousery on a new level. (laughs) That's, that's fantastic. That's brilliant. I like the fact that an Englishman like myself knows the history about, you know, with the New Orleans parades and, what it means to people in that particular town and you're mixing it with Chelsea and a club world championships and everything else. Oh, that's just fantastic. And the, and the part, the part that really gets me excited is we really started getting traction and leverage on this about, about two months ago, about a month and a half, two months ago. So the club has basically told us, um, get organized, do this well the first year, get great pictures, get great support, make sure we have some happy fans and then they'll be on with this from the very beginning a year on, we've just got to execute. So um, they're, they're, they're bringing us on to match day live um, twice before the actual get before the event and one after the event to let either myself or our other founder, um, Ben Landry, get on the show, talk about what the event is some more just to get more word out there. Um, and we're going on other podcasts throughout the entire country um, just to, to get the word out there, to let everybody know what's going on. We're trying to let everybody know that Louisiana and the Chelsea supporters down here are welcoming. We want you to experience New Orleans. We want you to experience what Chelsea fans are like down here and um, to show that there can be an event and a group here in the United States that's just as passionate as it is over there in the pond. One thing I wanted to sort of discuss with you, sort of going away from the event what you're holding is say the difference in the culture and the assumption that English fans are more passionate than American fans when it comes to certain sports I've been to America I'm I'm happy to say I've been to Atlanta watching American sports it is different not to say it's better or worse but it is different and I've seen the passion in NFL games and college football and baseball, for example. Listen, you guys are very passionate about your football. When did it sort of stay, sort of start to change a little bit? Because you, you, you said at the top of the show that it was a case of waiting to find out if your team was on the telly because it, w- it wasn't as easy accessible as it is now. When did that start to change and when do you think the culture of Americans liking soccer more than what they were, say, for example, 15, 20 years ago? Uh, I mean, honestly, I would go ahead and say when NBC started picking up the television rights, giving us the ability to watch. I mean, like I said at the very beginning, when I was younger, there would be two games played on Saturday, two games played on Sunday, and you hope that your team was on there. Now as now as an adult being with NBC and the Peacock app that we have here in the States that helps broadcast the events, you're able to watch any and all games that you want and even go back and watch replays. So it allows those fans that are diehard and have a passionate club to be involved, but it also has those people that are really into fantasy football to be able to go back and watch all their teams as well. So once 
NBC was able to pick up the rights and bring everything over here, it allowed for those people who had no real team or no real drive behind it to start actually following people and keeping up to date with it. Um, ESPN tries. Um, I'm not going to discredit them completely, but compared to the news that you get with Sky Sports, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit less than because over here in America, you're competing against football, baseball, basketball, hockey, MLS, soccer, um, college football, which is basically like going to church for most people here in America because they're so passionate about the university that they attended. Um, so really for me, it was once everything became online, but more than even having the TV rights, it's finding a group of friends that are passionate about the same club that you can banter back and forth with and you know, argue about who would be the best player for the team or is this manager going to last and in the early days when I was really finding friends that were into Chelsea, it was always the Jose Mourinho days. And right. nobody yeah. was better for banter and for, ma- and for puffing up your chest and making you feel like a supporter than Jose back in the boys completely. Um, especially in the 2003, 2004 days when Jose was on fire, our defense was only allowing 13 oh, goals yeah. in an entire season. I Rock mean, solid Frank, yeah. Frank Lampard doing anything and everything he can to support DDA Drogba being an absolute monster up front. Those are the reasons that you, that you fall in love with the club. Those players that, you know, bring passion and show you it's alive. Um, I had tons of friends throughout college that were all different brands of supporters, but it was always your typical Man United supporters wanting to follow Ronaldo, you know, glory chasers that, you know, like to do chase the perennial winners. I mean, it, it happens over here in the States too. Everybody wants that team who's a winner. But like I said, I was I was there when we were shit. When we was losing to Huddersfield, and we was sort of uh, <sighs> when 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 you you don't even want to turn table, like we was finishing eighth yeah, and yeah. ninth, and not having a good home record. Yeah. Exactly. Describe to the listeners, perhaps that are from England and even from the different countries that listen to this show, the challenges that it is supporting. Chelsea in America I know obviously with the time frame and everything it's a little bit different but what other challenges are there that you you know you've you've found or your friends have found about supporting Chelsea in another country uh biggest challenges that we see for example this weekend when we had the Manchester City game um compared to you boys where the game was played I guess around 12 30 in the afternoon That's right. we're having to get we're having to get up at 5.45, grab some coffee or tea, and get to the pub by 6.30. Luckily enough, we found a partner in Finn McCool's, which is our local Irish pub. We're, we're, we're one of the largest groups there. So before we were first getting started and dealing with all the COVID issues, it was a lot harder to get them to come and open the pub because you can't really create an atmosphere for a group and provide a way to watch the team as a group if you don't have a pub and a place to go to. So we're lucky enough that we had a partner that would open up We've got a guy that's a bartender at the bar who will text us the day before to make sure that we're, we're coming to the pub. So they'll open up for us. And so at 630 in the morning, while most of New Orleans is sleeping, you know, we're singing carefree and <laughs> down in a couple pints. Um, the biggest challenge that you see in an area like ours is there seems to be in New Orleans itself. There's a lot of Arsenal supporters. There's a lot of Liverpool supporters and there's a lot of United supporters. And our job was to find those Chelsea supporters out there. So we had to do tons of marketing, tons of advertising, um, 
letting people know that we're out there coming on podcasts like yours and letting people know that our brand is out there. So somebody who could be from a different part of Louisiana that listens to your podcast on a regular basis may not even know we exist. So it's moments like these that we can help with marketing. Um, But the big thing is like Instagram, Instagram and Facebook have been, you know, amazing for us. As of right now, we have more followers on Instagram than any of the, than all of the Chelsea chapters in America combined. And we, we, yeah, we've got we've got about twelve, we've got about ten thousand, eleven thousand followers right now on Instagram. And I'll be honest, a lot of that contributed to we have a lot of witty banter and funny memes and just, you know, stuff making fun of the club or making fun of our, you know, our rivals and just, you know, random random nonsense that goes on. But at the end of the day, the, the challenge you would find in this country. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and we sh- and we share and we share all the stuff that we see over there from from in England. We've we've got a lot of accounts that we follow that are just hilarious that that put out stuff that we haven't even thought of. At the end of the day, it's just finding a way to be relatable to people over here. And turns out, once we started marketing, all of a sudden for the Champions League final, we had over a hundred Chelsea supporters in blue ready to go, and we just didn't even know they were all here in town. So events like that we keep doing in events like this, our chapter is going to, going to keep growing and growing. Um, I never imagined that we were going to have more than 25, 30 people on the books, but as we fin, as we closed out, uh, 2021, we had 64 members signed up. Um, that's meteoric who from, from zero to 64 in less than a year. Just imagine what, just imagine what the size of our group is going to be when I come on and talk to your podcast this time next year, (laughs) talking about the second edition of blues day. This is the second annual when I say, oh, hey, by the way, Keith, we've got 100 members just from Louisiana coming. That would be special. And in regards to obviously this, this particular event, you know, if, if you're in the state of Louisiana, by all means, go down. The information will be on your Instagram page. It'll be on your Facebook page. Now, if, you're in the, if you're in the States, if you're in the United States well, at all, yeah, come on down. Jesus Christ, yeah. Just get in your car and drive down and enjoy <laughs> New Orleans for the weekend. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we've, And just so everybody knows, I got to plug it. The website is carefreelouisiana.com. You can go onto the website. You can see a full schedule of the details of the events that are going on. Hotel accommodations are available on there. We have a booking at a hotel down in the French Quarter. So it'll be an easy walk where you won't have to get a cab or an Uber to go from wherever you need to be. And we also have a page on there as well talking about the guys in our group that got this event started and as well as all the traveling support. So if you're, if you're chatting, chapter is coming from anywhere and across the nation reach out make sure that we've got your chapter on there because right now everybody that is coming has their uh chapter logo on there and a little a little bio about who they are because not only are we wanting to promote ourselves but we're wanting to promote all those other chapters and people that are traveling across the country to come be with us because it isn't just about our chapter it's about everybody here in america that wants to support chelsea Bang, there you go. I think that's probably the best. That, that is probably the best description you can have. As you, as you say, it's not just helping people within your state. It's helping all Chelsea fans. And it's obviously coming together. And because of the weekend, as it be Mardi Gras, what better weekend to do both? Exactly, exactly. I mean, Nothing better than, than drinking a couple beers with some boys that you've never met before watching your watching Chelsea play a good game hopefully knock down another trophy and uh you know experience New Orleans and and America in the most proper way possible describe to the listeners what a match day would be like for a Chelsea supporter in America whether it be your group or 
other groups that you've sort of discussed. You've mentioned, obviously, the difference in the time frames. So half 12 kickoff, which is a nightmare in this country, believe you me, must be a nightmare for you guys. But apart from that, what would a normal match day be like? And obviously the atmospheres must be pretty special, whether or not it's six o'clock in the morning or 12, you know, midday, for example. Well, now I will, I will say those earlier games are a little bit harder when we get the, the, the 630 games here in the morning are a little bit, are a little bit tougher. But for example, even, even though we had a 630 game yesterday, we still had over 25 guys at the pub. 10 men went to Mo singing early first thing, letting people in the neighborhood know that we're there nonstop chanting the entire time. Um, even hell this, this past week, we had a guy from London who was there, who was, uh, he, he told me he was honestly surprised that Chelsea supporters in America were as diehard as what we are because we don't stop singing the entire match. Um, and and, that, and that's what it is. I think the only time that we stop singing is probably about halftime when it's time to call the missus to let her know that we're going to be back home in an hour, you know, take a piss, grab another pint, and then get ready to get back at it. Um, I wouldn't imagine that our, our match days are any different than any other group, even in England when going to pub to watch the game if you're not getting to go to the match. It's just – it's the atmosphere. It's the environment. We have a few expats in our group that, uh, you know, keep us in check if we're not singing a song right because, you know, American accents are going to change things from time to time. <laughs> yeah. The, for some reason, it's very hard for our guys to understand when we're when we're talking trash to the other groups to say library instead of library. When we say, is this a library? Everybody in our group wants to say, is this the library? And it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> But yeah, man, it's, it's, I mean, match days, match days here are the same as I would like to think anywhere else. A bunch of a group, a bunch of excited guys texting each other, making sure everybody's coming to the pub, you know, get drinking as much beer as you possibly can before you have to go home and like get about your day. Cause the fun thing about here is where you guys, the game's over with and you're settling down for the evening. We go home. I mean, we go to the pub, get pissed, and then either have time to take a nap and then start our day or you know continue continue day drinking as it goes along just depends on uh just depends on if the wife is in town or not (laughs) (laughs) and as you say when you're watching it in the pub and you're watching the boys play have you had any issues with rival fans coming to into the pub to watch the game or you've had other sort of people similar to that that are maybe against the constant chanting and just want a quiet drink. Oh, absolutely. There's mm. totally those people here in the States. And honestly, they always wear red. They're always either United fans or Arsenal fans. I don't know what it is. We have a group here in town that wants to casual the Arsenal fans that want to just casually sit on the other side of the bar and watch their game and occasionally cheer. But there's no there's no chance. There's no songs. The only time that I ever hear any banter back to back to anyone is when when Arsenal is playing Tottenham, that that's about right. it. They, right. they quit right. singing at us because where they have like three or four songs in their repertoire, we're sitting at like 30 or 40 and we can sing half of them about whether Arsene Wenger had certain problems yes. in his past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that. We, we chart, find, well, we, yes. <laughs> yeah. We, we find, we find ways to, to give them hell as best we can. Um, but honestly, we, we have a flag for our group, it says crew to blue. There's only one firm on Bank Street, and that's the truth. Bank Street, where our pub is, there's only one group that creates atmosphere. There's only one group of guys that are singing the entire time. What my, one of my favorite moments of the year actually happened 
uh, I want to say about three or four months ago, I had some, uh, some, some guys from our group come to the pub. We were actually watching a United States world cup qualifier because we're our state's team is harder to watch than Chelsea, but we still want to root for them. And one of the guys walked in and one of our, one of our boys was wearing a Chelsea sweater. And he's like, Oh, this is a Chelsea pub. Right. And all of us looked around and were like, damn right. It is damn right. It is. And the moments like that are like that, letting us know, you know what, we're taking care of business. We're, our name is out there. We've gotten to the point now we're growing so fast that we don't even actively recruit. If somebody wants to come join our group, more than welcome, but we're not looking for you. They're looking for us. Fantastic. That's superb. You've mentioned the Carefree Louisiana, and you've sort of mentioned this big event that's happening in February. But overall, what are your plans and ambitions going forward past this particular event? And, you know, as you say, maybe this time next year, where would you like to see Carefree Louisiana this time next year? So as of right now, so we're a coalition of three different chapters here in the state. So Louisiana as a total probably has about a population of two and a half million people Um, compared to certain towns in the country that have just that amount of people in their one town. We have to work a little bit differently. So right now we have um, Carefree Louisiana has three different chapters, one in the northern part of the state called Port City Blues, which has the lowest number of members right now. And it's in the northern part of the state where I'll be honest with you, um, American football is more popular than European football. And so we deal with those vices there. But at the same time, we also have a chapter in Baton Rouge, which is our capital called Zydeco Blues, where my other founder um, is a member of that chapter. And they already have 15, almost 20 members on paper and are slowly grinding and getting to the numbers they need to be. Um, And then we have our chapter here in New Orleans, Crescent City Blues, um, which is our, our main main point of interest where everything got started. So to answer your question more fully with a little bit of background, my goal is to have at least both of those other chapters in the state operating with at least 20 different members. I'd like for our chapter to show support to the chapters that have been to see us. We'd like to go make road trips to Houston to go see the boys in Bayou City Blues. We'd like to make a trip to Nashville to see the guys in Music City Blues. We'd like to take a trip to Atlanta to see the Atlanta Blues. Anyone who's showing support to us in our event, we want to return that tenfold and let them know that we're supporting them in their events as well. So back to your question, where do I see us a year from now? I see us hosting a second year of Blues Day with twice the number of participants with, with, the, with the actual club being involved a year ahead of time. I see us with three proper chapters that are blowing up, that are having people who would have never thought about watching football come to watch football. And at the same time, uh, creating a brand and recognition where when someone says, oh, shit, they're from Carefree, Louisiana, those guys do it proper. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's where I see us at, growing, expanding, uh, making more friends and becoming uh, one of those groups that everybody wants to be a part of. That's it. Nothing crazy. No, well, good luck with that. And I think that that's more than realistic for you guys to achieve. And uh, again, hopefully, if we speak at this time next year, hopefully that's been achieved. So in regards to you being linked with the club, have you had much chance over the last sorry, few seasons, obviously Beb, barring COVID, to get to Chelsea and watch a game with your fellow American Chelsea supporters? So the last time I went was in 2018. Uh, 
I haven't been able to be back as much because of a COVID travel restrictions. And since then I've actually gotten married. So things have, uh, you know, slowed down a little bit on the home front, but I was in there for, uh, in January of 2018, I went and watched Stoke at home and I also watched us play Arsenal at the Emirates away. Um, fantastic experiences. Couldn't have, couldn't have wished for anything better getting to be, you know, on, on Fulham road for match day was one of, you know, it had been, it had been too long for me. So it was just one of those experiences that uh, you needed to soak in, like just be able to get to experience how everybody is, is excited about it and walking into the bridge and, and getting to hear liquidator playing there's nothing better there's just there's just nothing better i I totally agree once that liquidator's on because they used they used to have blue day at at the beginning years ago but that stopped but yeah once they have put the liquidator on and you see the flags going past the matthew harding end and the shed end uh, it's just pretty i will say though it was my first time to get to go to an away match and i expected it to be a better atmosphere because the atmosphere at stanford bridge was absolutely incredible. When you hear the first time you hear forty five thousand people in unison singing chants, that's something that doesn't happen over here in the states. Everybody is just it's loud chaos. If Americans were as organized as English fans with their banter and their their working for their team, uh, it would be incredible. Because here in Louisiana, we have one of the lou- loudest college football stadiums in America, but it's just chaos. It's not it's not organized like it is. When you hear you know, ten men went to Mo with forty five thousand people backing it. It's a different if it's it's a different thing. And so when I went to the Arsenal away game, sitting in sitting in the away fan section, we're giving them hell the entire time. And the Arsenal fans, all they ever sang was just Arsenal, Arsenal. I, I was just I was so bored by them. I expected them to be so much more wittier and funnier, but uh it tells you, you know, money can't buy you love. That is Speaking true. With their new stadium, you know. No, that is true. There's it's it's a I've been to that stadium once before as well. It's overpriced, personally. And Mike, I'm so glad Chelsea ain't got a stadium like that. Yeah, the the, the pint the pint was flat, the, the the pie was was bland. Move along. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> over there. I, 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 honestly, my, the next away game that I'd love to go see, I'd love to go to Craven Cottage. I'd love to go to law. I'd, I'd love to go to to see QPR play. I'd, I'd love a good local derby. That's QPR that's what Chelsea I want. Chelsea's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. I'd, Talk about I'd love to, rivals I would've, I would've, and to say hatred. Yeah, those two, especially at QPR's ground. That's an atmosphere. The, 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 the one atmosphere that I wish I could have experienced uh, for an away fan, I would have loved to go to Upton Park to watch Chelsea play at West Ham, but. Yeah. Now those days are over because they're in London Stadium with zero atmosphere. You already know this. Yes, well, I've 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 been there before. I was at uh, that stadium for a cup game years and years ago under Conte, and yeah, atmosphere dull, terrible. Quite a few people having rucks in inside the stadium and outside the stadium. No, the stadium's poor. I mean, it, honestly, I don't blame them. They got given the opportunity to be upgraded. Sadly, there's a track around their track around their field, and that just that kills the atmosphere. Yeah, you and I both know it. But hopefully, they'll find a way to 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 get close, get their fans closer to the field. But honestly, I don't care about West Ham. I'm more excited about Chelsea. <laughs> well, uh, this leads me on quite well. We're going to discuss sort of Chelsea present day, and we'll try not to discuss 
Saturday too much without swearing, but what have you made of Chelsea this season and sort of obviously, you know, what sort of games has stood out for you this season? I mean, honestly, so one of the first games that stands out to me was um, the 1-1 draw with Liverpool when we went a man down. And oh, right. still managed to keep them to still managed to keep them from scoring. We showed our heart. We showed what our defense could be. We showed that our tactics were right. We showed that when we have the right personnel in the field, that we can get the job done. Um, I trust. I trust our coach. We call him Uncle Tommy because he feels like family at this point. Um, <laughs> but I'm liking everything that the team's doing now. Obviously, we were. We're, we're hit with injuries. There, there's no doubt about it that we're, we're hit with injuries in a way that we that are hard to cope with. Um, COVID hit us harder than most teams, and we weren't allowed to, to get those breaks like other teams were to regroup. What I take out of this is the fact that we've had all these injuries, we've had all these COVID setbacks, and magically, with everything that has happened to us, we're still sitting in third. We're in the final of the EFL Cup. We're into the next round of the Champions League. We're in the next round of the FA Cup. And we're in the final of the Club World Cup. Um, There could be a lot of negatives to look at, but I'd rather not focus on that. I'd rather focus on the fact that we just won the Champions League. We were just in the FA Cup final and lost. We're, We're putting ourselves in positions for greatness. All we have to do is just trust the method. Just trust what he's doing and get it right. My only problems that I have are the fact that our strikers just aren't finishing. I don't know what's going on. The strikers just aren't getting the job done up front. What have we had? I think it's what, 45% of our goals have come from defenders. Is that where we're sitting at right now? Is that that about an average net? Something like that. I think think our top goal scorer, as far as I know, is Jorginho. You've got Chilwell that has scored goals before he got injured. Reese James was scoring goals for fun when he got injured. That was when we was on a nice little run and people started thinking that Chelsea could win the league. And it was okay for people like Hakim Ziyech and Hudson-Odoi and Timo Werner not to score every week because other people were getting the goals. Now that those people are injured, people need to step up and start scoring. We don't have that. And Saturday was very evident of that. The fact that we we weren't at our best against City. And I think City, even if we beat City, I still didn't think we was going to win the league anyway. I think we lost the league last month, personally. But Absolutely, you're right. I think that up front, we are very lightweight. And I look at the wide players, and I, there's one person in particular I would, I'm dying to ask you about, seeing as you're from... Louisiana and this particular guy is American as well but I just think our wingers our wide players are too lightweight and I think that some of them either need to step up or step out okay we can talk about Christian I'm I'm, I'm right, okay talking let's about go. I'm yeah. glad you brought okay. him up okay so so my what's opinion your, on Christian what's your opinion on Christian and also what's what's the general perception of Christian Pulisic in America is it, obviously I know that he's the golden boy of soccer over there and I know that people sort of think that he, he can He's Captain get... America. He's, yeah. 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 He's Captain America. So I may not have the exact opinion of every American out there because when it when it goes to supporting my football, it goes Chelsea way up here 
And then Team USA is 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 much more closer to the bottom as far as what I'm following. So as for an American, he's great. He should be on the field every time for Team USA. No question in my mind, he's a player that's be there. But honestly, when it comes down to where I see him for Chelsea, I could see him coming on as a super sub. I could see him being the next Solomon Kalou as far as intensity being brought on on the 70th minute. But do I think Christian Pulisic is a starter for Chelsea? No, sadly, I don't. Uh, He's been he's done some great things for us. That goal in the Champions League semifinal was amazing. He shows hustle. He shows drive. He shows passion for the club. But the weekend, week out work rate, when I think about players that I want on the top of the pitch, there's other names that come up first. Not that he's not a name that I think of, but when I think about players that I want on that wing that are going to be hustling the whole time, I'm immediately going to Timo Werner. I'm going to Callum Hudson-Odoi. I'm I'm thinking Kai Havertz, obviously Lukaku, but he needs to get his feet sorted and get his mouth right. Um, There's other things that need to happen. But when at the end of the day, Christian Pulisic is a great player. Is he Chelsea quality for years to come? I I, I don't know. He needs to show me more on the field. He needs to (sighs) – there's too many lateral balls out of him. There's too many balls going backwards. There's so many opportunities where he has the ability to take the shot and we're just not taking the shot. Um, I don't blame Christian for that wholly because there's a lot of players on the team that I wish would take the shot, especially after watching this game this weekend. But at the end of the day, he's a good player, but he's a sub. He's not going to be a starter. He's, he does not, he does not deserve to be a starter. Hopefully that's uh, not too controversial to you, but as an American, Obviously, I want him on the field for Team USA. He brings so much for us. Um, he, he adds to the team. Um, he, he brings a level of cohesiveness that I wish the team could have at all times. But for Chelsea, I just don't see him more than a 25, 30-minute player to bring on that extra bit of hustle to bring balls into the box. When I look at players that are constantly hustling, like Timo Werner, who never stops working, hmm. I don't see how he didn't. I was so aggravated with you. I was so aggravated with the team selection this weekend, Keith, because I'm pretty sure everybody around the 35th oh, minute you versus the City. You wasn't the only every, one. Yeah. Everybody knew good and well around the 35th minute that Marcus Alonso was getting skinned, that Kovacic probably needed to come out because he was on a yellow card, that Hakeem Ziyech had this posture about him where he just looked lazy. He wasn't, he, he wasn't making the efforts that we needed. I... I wanted changes at halftime. I wanted Callum Hudson-Odoi to come on and play for Marcus Alonso with that left wing back. I wanted to see Jorginho come in and provide a little bit of stability in the midfield once Kova was on a yellow because the last thing we needed was – it seemed like cards were coming out of the pocket a lot. And I wanted to see Timo Werner come on for Hakeem Ziyech um, because no one right now besides Mason Mount – your Reese James is your Chilwell. No one is trying 100% of the game, leaving it all out there on the field besides Timo Werner to me. And I just don't understand how he's not starting, Keith. Why is he not starting? Why did he not get those minutes? Uh, I just it, it blew my mind this weekend. Over here, Chelsea fans who I've spoken to since the weekend, we all said that was the wrong front three to choose against Man City. We didn't understand why... You look at Hakim's performances this season. Me personally, and I've said this on the show, he's our version of Ozil. Okay, yeah. Amazing, amazing at amazing at the pass, can do amazing things, is proven, does it when he wants to. Yeah. Very, very inconsistent. Yeah. 
Pulisic, uh, I I want it to work with him because I know there's talent there. I know that there's potential there, but sometimes potential you ain't gonna you ain't gonna have that potential when you're in your mid to late twenties. And there's gonna come a point where he will need to step up because otherwise he'll end up being one of those. But also at the same time, but at the same time, Keith, I wonder. So you and I are both saying he needs to step up and be given those. He needs to step up on the opportunities that he's given. But the given the opportunities that are given to him, I wonder if the personnel that's playing alongside him matches his style of play. And so he always seems to Good be in a, he always seems to be in a lineup with Kai Havertz as opposed to a lineup with Lukaku. Or he'll like same way with with Timo. Timo will be in a lineup starting with Kai Havertz, but we've seen moments of brilliance when Timo and Lukaku were together where they just light it up and fire together. I just it seems like we've got everything right in the defense. It seems like we got everything right in the midfield. It just that we can't figure out what's our best situation for up top. I love I love wingers. I love how we use them, but I'm wondering at what point do we try a two-man front line and let Timo and Lukaku raise hell together and just see what happens. Because obviously we haven't quite figured that part out yet. That We're has halfway happened, through the season. That has happened at some points during games where he's tactically switched it to play Little Werner and Lukaku up top. And it has worked. I know with Tottenham in the League Cup last week, he did play that sort of system where we didn't have the ball he played to up top. But uh, I, I'm I'm with you. And I think that Saturday sort of showed me or sort of realised that I don't think Pulisic and Lukaku can play together. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I think Pulisic would work better with Werner and Havertz as his other two players around him. I, for some for some reason, it's just not clicking. And a lot of people have slagged Hakim Ziyech off. Some of it rightfully so. Some people have slagged off Christian Pulisic. Some of it rightfully so. Other people have slagged off Werner and Hudson Adoy. Everybody, even Lukaku. We've got talent, but it just needs to gel, and it's not gelling at the moment. I'm, I'm with you. Defensively, we look pretty good. I still don't like the fact that half of our defence are out of contract in the summer. That's something that needs to be settled ASAP, or at least sorted out now. Midfield is where I believe we are strong, but then you look at players... But like Loftus Cheek, how many opportunities is that guy? I'm not slagging him off for one minute, but how many opportunities is this guy going to be given? What has he done this season? Saul was terrible when he came on for his debut. He was he was terrible for the last few months. Since November, December, looks a completely different player, but he's got no pace. I could outrun him. He has yep, got no agreed. pace at all. Jorginho's getting... He's 30. Kante is in his, his 30s. Kovacic... I, he's, 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 the engine, he's the Chelsea midfield engine guy, but I just, we, we're not at that level of Liverpool and Man City. That's why, you know, people were talking about how oh, Chelsea are going to be title contenders. We couldn't beat Everton and Everton had their B team. We couldn't beat Brighton because they scored last minute goal, and Brighton deserved the point. They were they were much better than us, but we played against a poor United side and we didn't win. And for me, 
I was against Tuchel when he came in, and I said this on the on the Blue Day podcast last show that I was wrong. You know, Tuchel has proved me wrong. But I think he needs at least another two transfer windows to get it right from the attacking sense because our attackers are just not gelling at the moment. We can score yeah. five against Chesterfield, which is great. No worries. We can probably score another five against Plymouth in the FA Cup coming up. Don't, when, don't forget Tottenham on the weekend. Tottenham at the weekend. Well, they get battered everywhere they go. but Everywhere they go. Exactly. So... It'll be interesting what Tuchel does. It'll be interesting what how Tuchel sees it. For me, Mount has to... Mount's got to be one of those first names on the team sheet. And him. I wondered why he wasn't this weekend. Honestly, I it confused me. I have no idea. I mean, he's, 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 every, he's everywhere, man. I, I, when, when, I see, when I see a team sheet, the first two names that I expect to see, if everybody's fit, Mount, Conte. No question, that should be... Number one, number two, every time for me. And then we we build it off of those players. Um, like you said, the problems that we've been having in midfield, I wonder in the years to come, is Connor Gallagher going to get his shout out? Is he going to get to come back and play? Um, because to, to me, to me, what Connor's doing is exactly what we would hope that Ruben Loftus-Cheek could do for us. Um, He's, he's, he's proving himself, Connor's proving himself over at Crystal Palace. And I, after everything that he's doing, I don't see how he doesn't work himself into the first team next year. Connor's um, doing what we're missing in midfield. Do you think if, if he hadn't, if he hadn't played enough minutes, do you think we would have recalled him this year? No, I think he, I think it's very similar to Gilmore. He needs to go out on loan to get away from the Chelsea bubble, shine on his own. See how he gets on. If he performs well, comes back, then he can make the step up. I think that there is, again, there are some players at Chelsea that if he'd have been there too long, overstayed their welcome, passed their sell-by date a little bit. And you've got players like Conor Gallagher, Gilmore, who I think is a very good talent, but Is he going to get past Kante? Is he going to get past Jorginho or Kovacic? Time will tell. Because yeah, we've only got a, probably a shelf life of what? Two to three years left on some of those guys in midfield. Kante, there's only so long that we're going to be able to, he's going to be able to produce like he can yep. before we're going to be able to get money out of him. You and I both know that Marina, she runs, she runs our transfers. She makes money for us. So she's going to be able to find players to be able to fill in the gaps and to make the money off of them. But at the end of the day, We've only got so long with Jorginho. We've only got so long with Conte. We have to find ways to work these players into our team, whether it be through cups, because we've got the best academy in England, in my opinion, at least the way that everything is going. When our academy players are given chances to prove themselves, they execute. Reese James has been a standout. I'm, 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 at the end of the day, I was sad that we lost Tammy Abraham, but I'm glad to see that he's doing well over, over in Italy. He was one of those guys that I wanted to see good. But I'm wondering if some of our transfer decisions with our younger players are going to end up affecting us. Us losing uh, Tamori. Oh, uh, I think yeah. I think us losing Tamori this year w- was a big mistake. The, he, like, I love Frank Lampard, and I will never talk any garbage about him because he he's one of the reasons that I fell in love with Chelsea and still fall in love with Chelsea. But his decision to get Tamori – to Italy was a mistake. It was just a mistake. Uh, I don't know how he couldn't have convinced him to take a loan 
in England the same way yeah. we did with Zuma initially. Like getting, uh, it's just such a mistake. So I don't know. Like we we've we've got problems. If Rudiger and Christensen possibly end up leaving, we're 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 in chaos in the back. We're absolute chaos in the back. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. We're, we've got a, we've got too many players that are on the edge. We've got your Rudigers that are on the edge and age. We've got Aspilicueta that's on the edge and age. Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic. We're we're looking good right now, but if some drastic moves aren't made in the next this window, summer window, and the following January window, the Chelsea team that we're looking at will be happy to get into European play. Yeah, they'll be happy with fourth. I mean, exactly. And yeah. and right now, the way things are going, we're going to be happy with third. Mm. And I mean, I, I wish I wish that we, I could say that we were in contention for the league over Liverpool and City. But the at the rate that these teams are scoring goals, hell, even Liverpool is putting three goals past, you know, Brentford this weekend. And they didn't they didn't even have Salah or Mane. Yeah. So. Can you imagine what what would we be doing if we didn't have a, a Timo or Mason Mount for our biggest games? We wouldn't be scoring those goals. So we 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 know our, we know where our flaws are, but the problem is we don't know who to fix our flaws with. Where all these other teams have people in the in the waiting, ready to go. Our I used to say that we had amazing depth, but once COVID came and we saw how many players um, were sick and the ones that were filling in. It showed me our depth really isn't that deep. If if that resonates that was, with you that at all, that was that was a perception a lot over here when people were talking about, oh, Chelsea's squad is strong. They can have players come from the bench and work their magic. They can come on. They can swap this player for that player. This season has proved that we might have a big squad, but we don't have a great squad. We don't have a squad filled with great depth we just got players that can maybe do a job one game out of 10 and i mean if if lukaku can show us that beginning of the season form again in january then i have zero worries but the problem is he hasn't been firing he's we already know about his attitude problems that that have to be readjusted if we can get a lukaku firing and get players like Hakeem Ziyech to fill the, the role that they were purchased for, then we could be something and we might be having a conversation about being in second place again. Hmm. But until the team is gelling like you're talking about on the wings and Lukaku's firing at home, we're going to be happy with third place. And I'm very curious to see what's going to happen on the 27th when we play that EFL Cup, either against Arsenal or Liverpool, because that's going to be – the biggest proving game that we have to where we're sitting in the position. It'll be that barometer of how Chelsea is doing, truly doing. Um, and at this rate, I think we could beat Arsenal, but I think Liverpool would be a severe problem with the way we're playing. Especially when you count in injuries. And again, depending what happens with COVID, whether uh, another breakout happens with certain players. Well, all we got to do is just, you know, say we've got 15 false positive like Jurgen Klopp did, and then we can just get our game postponed, right? No, but we're Chelsea. We there's one rule for one, one rule for the other. You know that as well. As oh, you're I right. Know. You're right. My bad. Exactly. You're, my bad. I, <laughs> I didn't get. I, I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the memo. My we bad. are gonna. We are gonna go on a positive because I know we've sort of discussed the downside to Chelsea, and we, we did sort of a little bit discuss the academy, which has been fantastic and phenomenal for so many years. We are, as you say, we are in the EFL Cup final. 
We are in the latter stage of the Champions League. We've got Lille coming up in February and March, which I think a lot of Chelsea fans are quite relieved that we've got, considering who we could have faced. So two We got them twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After that fiasco of the bloody jaw. But there, there is still room for optimism for Chelsea this season. We could still potentially win one, two, maybe even three trophies. So it's just because we lost to City, just because that you know we can't beat Everton when they've got their B side or Man United when they're probably the worst Man United side I've seen since I've been born. But this could still be a good season for Chelsea. It could still be a good season for Tuchel. Bringing, might not be the Champions League, but my God, finishing third, which is better than what we did last season, and winning maybe one or two trophies, I'd take that over what could happen at Tottenham or Arsenal or Man United. Come on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me personally, like, everybody wants to win the league and everybody wants to win Champions League. But I have zero problem pulling down a domestic double winning the EFL Cup and the FA Cup. Like, I wanted that FA Cup so bad this yeah. this past year. And losing to Leicester, it almost, it almost uh, was like a forewarning of what the Champions League final was going to be like. Because losing that game, it kind of put like a little cloud over all the fans saying, like, well, if we're going to lose to Leicester, how can we play against City? But then we turned it around. So I don't know, man. I, I think I think one month from now when we play the Club World Cup final, knock down that trophy, and then two weeks later we're in the EFL Cup final, I think good things are going to happen, man. I think yeah. I think it's time that things start to slowly turn around. We got through the hardest part of our season. We got through December, which is rough on everybody. Hmm. We managed to do it without any breaks, with our COVID, finally getting players back from injury. Obviously, we're not going to get Ben Chilwell back. But there's a possibility of us getting Reese James back in the next month and a half. And just getting, I mean, anybody can tell you he's the strongest player on the England squad. So when you mix him into a team of a back line with Aspilicueta, Silva, and Rudiger, man, that is that is ferocious. So, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling positive. I, I, I don't think there's any reason that, there's, that, that Chelsea isn't going to come away with at least one trophy out of all the ones that we've got coming by. We're, we're going to win a trophy. We just got to – the players have to get together and work their asses off and figure out which one it's going to be for us. Um, and there's no reason whatsoever that it can't, you know, start it off with a Club World Cup final. Get that extra get that extra patch on the jersey. Let everybody know that we're that team that did it all. Um, Tuchel has done just about everything in this last season to prove that he's worth it. Now, I just hope that the board – rewards him and gives him that long-term contract and gives us the stability that we need to continue on. Because as long as I've, I mean, I feel like we've had as many managers since I've been a Chelsea fan as I am years old. I mean, it's, it's been just a constant rotation of manager after manager after manager, getting somebody like Thomason who has a proven track record of building teams together. He got us to the Champions League final in six months, man, six months. He revolutionized the team that was just letting up goals. I love Frank Lampard, but you and I both know his his coaching tactics slash man management just hadn't been developed enough. He probably should have stayed at Derby for a little bit longer. And had he done it, he might could have come in and, and really done some things. But since we've got Thomas, he's done everything that we've asked him to do and more. The team seems like a unit. Um, people are happy to play for Chelsea. 
you're not seeing these these locker room bust ups like we've seen in the past when players are furious with managers and not getting enough minutes. So I really think it's just a process of us trusting the manager. Hopefully the manager makes subs a little bit sooner in games <laughs> compared to this past weekend. And then I think everybody will jump along. But I think the only reason that that Thomas would lose faith from the Chelsea supporters if he lost the locker room. And I don't think he's going to do that anytime soon, Keith. So if anybody has any doubts about Chelsea this season, don't worry about it. Relax, calm. There's always another game. You've got Spurs coming up, which they get battered everywhere they go. We've got the Club World Championships. Well, got- will this be the will this be the fourth game in a row if we beat them? Well, that will, I mean that'll, that'll right. have done them over. Yeah, That's man. Right. Nothing. No, I, I definitely remember seasons where, as a Chelsea fan, I could care less what we did as long as we beat Tottenham. So if nothing else, let's 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 have the cup game midweek and then let's let's batter Tottenham and let's start our progression to to winning everything. I think that can be the thing that turns everything around. There Just, you go. That's it. There you go. We there you go. Chelsea we should end on a positive. Last couple of questions, Dylan, before I before I let you go. If anybody is interested in joining Carefree, Louisiana. So there's a passionate Chelsea supporter like you and me that would love to talk about Chelsea for hours on end. How do they go about it? Simple ways is reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. It main main way is reach out to us on Instagram, Carefree Louisiana. Real simple. I'll moderate the page along with one or two other guys. Uh, we respond to it all day because even though we're working, it's pretty hard to t- put down the mobile and not, you know, see what's going on out there. Um, also, you can reach out on our uh, website, carefreelouisiana.com. It's mostly about the Blues Day event, but you can still get in touch with us there. And as soon as the event's over with, it's going to turn back into a chapter page where people can contact and see what's going on. Um, we're in New Orleans at um, Finn McCool's. So if you're in the New Orleans area, please come and see us. First pints on us. Just be prepared to sing a little bit. And finally, Dylan, and again, thank you for coming on the show today. What does Chelsea Football Club mean to you? Uh, so it goes um, God, family, Chelsea, everything else, my man. The way it should be. That's it. The way That's it should it. be. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. I've enjoyed talking to another Chelsea fan that across the pond, no less, having banter, talking about Chelsea. And I hope that your event in February from the 11th to the 13th coincides with Mardi Gras, Blues Day. I hope it goes well. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show. And maybe even if I decide to go on tour, I might stop off at Louisiana and see you. Yeah, well, first pint's on me, Keith. First pint, <laughs> first pint is definitely on me. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. You take it easy, and we'll speak to you soon. All right, thanks, man. Up the chels. Podcast Network.